Well, it has been and still is a difficult season. True? For some more than others. And, and one of the hallmarks of it is difficult seasons generally are full of difficult people. Just saying it how it is. You know, and, and I guess when I look at our society, we've got people on both sides of the whatever, of the divide that has appeared within our society, calling out others for whatever reason. So you've got the anti-vax group calling out anyone gets a vax, warning them and appreciate the concern. And over on this side, you've got people going, well, I got it, nothing happened. And it's like, well, that's fine for you, but that's not everyone's experience. I wish everyone would just have a bit more grace somehow and land on Jesus maybe, not on an opinion. Because he's about the only thing in this world that actually doesn't change. Opinions come and go. Some are proven right and some are proven wrong by time. But the one thing we do know is Jesus Christ is a solid rock. He doesn't change. There's no shadow of turning. He is the same yesterday, today and Absolutely. And I think we should always land it on Jesus. But you know, in this season, a difficult season, and some of our relationships have become difficult, and I'm only stating the obvious, might not be for everyone, but for some of us, I think for many of us, I think the great temptation is to disengage. The great temptation is to disengage. Now, there might be people here that aren't here today simply because they are concerned about health things. That is fine, absolutely fine. I fully understand that. But some people have just disengaged. Just decided it's too hard in this season. And we could ask ourselves, well, what should we be doing in a season like this that, you know, we know that we haven't been here before? What should we be doing? And what I'd like to say to us is we should be doing what we were always meant to be doing. That is reaching out to people with the hope and power that is in Jesus Christ. Reaching out and bringing hope and bringing life, bringing a sense of God's purpose and God's presence into every situation we are. That has never changed. Our mandate is to carry His presence to the ends of the earth. And so I want to speak to us in this season of difficult times, and sometimes difficult people, I want us to look at engaging difficult times and difficult people. Because I tell you what, this generation of believers that you and I are a part of, there is no, nothing disqualifies us or nothing excuses us from being responsible for this generation of people who don't know Christ yet. Nothing disqualifies us from that. And to win a world, we must engage a world. And in a season where the whole temptation is to pull back, circle the wagons, just stay in my own little circle now that I've created with my social media and with my limited group of friends or whatever, the temptation to disengage actually is one of the greatest threats to the mission of Christ we've seen in our generation and has to be addressed. So I want to speak about engaging difficult times and difficult people because you can't reach a world you won't engage. You can't reach a world that you don't like. 
You can't reach someone you hate. You can't reach someone you fear. That stuff gets in the way of the Jesus message. And so we have to understand the season that we're in and engage the season. And even difficult people, and I think this is why I love, 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 love Scripture is so inspirational. And the characters of Scripture in in my later years of ministry, I've just found I just tend to focus on the people more than the stories. Because there's so much inspiration, so much to learn. And we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and we're going to look at maybe a little bit of an obscure part of his journey. Uh, And I was just journaling this this week or last week. I was journaling this and I thought, that is a word. It was a word for me. And as I meditated on it, I felt it was a word for us. So I want to read you this passage. And uh, Paul is in a difficult season. The last season really, or the, maybe the second last season of his life. And it's a difficult season. In Acts chapter 27 verses 1 to 3, he's being transported as a prisoner to Rome. He'd appealed to Caesar to save himself from religious zealots. And so he'd appealed to Caesar and to Caesar he was going. It says, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy... Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. Just interestingly, centurions were really the backbone of the Roman army. They were like the first professional level. So he's a professional soldier responsible for somewhere between 80 and 160 men. And his main principle and purpose was discipline. He was the disciplinarian. This is the sergeant major of the Roman army of the day. Paul's handed over to him. His name's Julius and he belonged to the imperial regiment, which were the elite. We boarded a ship from Adramathian, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, this is the verse, this is the whole verse I want us to get. And Julius, who was Julius? Centurion. What was Julius? Professional soldier. What was his role? (laughs) Disciplining. Hardened, bloodthirsty troops and keeping him in line. That was his job. That was his background. And Julius, in kindness to Paul. That's just where I stopped. Allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. So here's some observations. One, Paul is in a very difficult season. He's gone from literally travelling all over the world and preaching Christ. And yes, there were persecutions, but he was kind of free. And now he's been arrested. Jealous religious agendas, etc. are determined to destroy him. He's held captive against his will. And he's been taken as a prisoner to Rome. I'd say that's a difficult season. You're very quiet today. You all right? 
but he was determined to use it for God's purposes. This is what I love about Paul. If you read the whole story, at the end of the day, even when the church is praying for him, even when the church warns him you shouldn't go to Rome because they're going to tie you up and whatnot, he's basically, I'm going, God's put it in my heart and I don't care if I go as a prisoner, I'm going to go. So he's in a difficult season. And this is a recurring theme in Scripture. People dislocated by circumstance end up in the centre of God's purpose. And to tell you the truth, while I see in some sectors of Christianity today, people running around like the head's cut off, like the Antichrist is winning. And we've been dislocated by circumstances. Remember the message last week, sometimes we've got to stand beside ourselves. Sometimes we've got to get out of our regular mind to see the new thing. Well, here's a new circumstance. Think about Joseph. He didn't want to get beaten up and thrown in a pit, but he ended up on the throne of Egypt because of it. Think of Noah, <laughs> didn't want to get swept away, but he lands on Mount Ararat with an incredible relationship with God to start again. Jesus, I'm sure, wasn't hope. the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweats blood because of his circumstances and still followed through. And because he did, we're sitting here today with the Spirit of God. And Paul's just another one. Difficult circumstances that God is using. And he's with a difficult person. You know, whenever you read Scripture and you see something that just doesn't make sense, if you're actually really reading Scripture and you're really looking for what God's saying in it, whenever something doesn't make sense, it's an invitation to dig deeper and find out what that's there for. A Roman centurion called Julius, shows kindness to a political prisoner. What is this? That was the accusation. He's preaching another king. <laughs> and this centurion, who's used to beating up soldiers who take the heads off people, shows Paul unusual kindness. It's got to make you ask something about Paul. And, you, and, and obviously trust. He lets him go with his friends while he's a captive so that they can provide for his needs. Doesn't say he did it for any of the other prisoners. He did it for Paul. So obviously, Paul had won something in this man's heart before this situation. That's sort of what I'm proposing today. Why is he showing him kindness? Why, Paul? Why? It's not for pity. Come on. This guy's used to putting his foot on someone's neck. That's what they did when they won a battle. We'll count the ones off we'll keep and we'll kill the rest. He's the guy who says, yeah, that one, that one, that one. Don't want them, don't want them, don't want them. So it's not pity. Paul wouldn't have won this with pity in a pitiless environment he was trained to not be moved by pity any professional soldier knows that you have to disengage compassion and pity and pity to be able to operate effectively but he respected Paul he obviously found Paul strangely compelling strangely compelling 
And within this story and Paul's broader story that I'll bring some elements into, we get hints that would be really helpful for us in our world right now. Here's some thoughts about engaging a difficult season and difficult people. Are you ready? You okay? You ready for this? Don't let your own fear or resentment disengage you. Don't let your own fear or resentment and don't act like manifested sons of God like you don't have it. We all do. It's part of being human. It's part of self-preservation, some of it. The centurion was obviously someone to be feared. And it's, it would be easy to resent your jailer. Are you with me? It would be easy to resent him. But what really hits me is that Paul could so easily have seen the centurion as an enemy, as a protagonist, and just shut down and resented him and simply withdrawn, laid low. But it would seem like he didn't. He must have engaged. He must have somehow compelled this guy, somehow reassured this guy. And we see elements of this come out further down the story where we're not going to get to today, but I'm going to pull some parts into it. Now, here's a qualifier. I'm not saying be with unsafe people. You know, there's some people you need to unhitch your wagon from. If there is abuse, if there, I'm not talking about that kind of thing. But often we just disengage from people we find difficult. And it's not that they're even bad people. They're not bad people. They're just different people. And might be a bit of a personality clash. They might talk in a way that you don't appreciate. Like most Christians don't like being sworn at. But that's not necessarily a bad person. Just living by a different value system. And if you disengage, you can never win them. What a tragedy. If you let resentment build, you can never win them. What a tragedy. We're not talking about bad people, just people we find difficult. You know, other people might not even find them difficult, but you do. Does anyone know someone like that? You've got a friend, you've got a mutual, you sort of got a mutual acquaintance, but one of, them, one of you is really good friends with them and you could take it or leave it. Thank you very much. Well, you're not going to win them unless you engage them on some level. Second thought is remember you're in control no matter who or what seems to be in control. Okay, don't let fear and resentment disengage you. You can't serve the mission of Christ disengaged. In circumstances or with people, with either, you become redundant. And that's not what Jesus died for. That's not what he poured out his spirit for. A redundant people waiting to go to heaven. We've been given a great commission to reach this planet with the hope and power of Jesus Christ. So remember you're in control no matter who or what seems to be in control. Because if you look at Paul as a prisoner, it wouldn't seem like he had much control. And I think often Christians, we don't share Christ because we feel like the situation's out of our control. People get aggressive. Who's noticed anyone shared their faith recently? If you put it out there, you'll get some pushback, all right. But don't be powerless. You can often control the situation 
by your responses. If you look at this, the one whose role it was to control the situation, if I could put it in really sort of, you know, blunt terms, Paul was controlling him. (laughs) Paul was controlling the responses of a first century Roman centurion and Paul is a prisoner. And I can only read into this story and that's what I'm doing is that somehow something about his life, something about the way he engaged, when he could have resented, when he could have pulled back, when he could have sat in a corner, like a lot of people seem to be doing at the moment, going, oh, I just want this all to pass. He engaged it. And because of that, the gospel goes to Rome. And he gets there in comfort. Remember, he was going anyway, but this story has an even more interesting end. Don't be powerless. You know, Paul's example, I know, is an extreme example, isn't it? Extreme. Come on, first century, centurion. Well, doesn't that mean that most of the difficult situations and most of the difficult people we meet are well within the scope of these principles? Are actually winnable? Are actually engageable? Come on, if the Spirit of Christ has done anything in us, it should be courage for the moment. And so we can always determine how we will respond. You know, we might not have a physical option, but we always have an internal one. Viktor Frankl put it so well in his little book, After the Concentration Camps, where he says literally he attributed his survival when many others didn't is because he controlled his response. He could not control what was happening to him, but he could control the way he responded to what was happening to him. And we've got that exact same option. The third thing that I see this in Paul is your character is the key. Your character is the key. And I thought that's what this is all about. Being a Christian, being a follower of Christ is allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us from glory to glory, day by day, with ever increasing glory, even as by the Spirit of God, into the image of Jesus Christ Himself. It's all about character. It's all about our inner world. It's all about our emotions. It's all about our words and the way we engage and the way we treat people, the way that we see them. Do we fear them and withdraw and disengage? Or do we see it as an option to share the gospel with an unbelieving world? Character's the key. And and for Paul, I'm just taking some hints from some of the stories, stories around it, but I think thankfulness had to be part of it. That's a character thing, you know, thankfulness. It's a character thing. Someone's true character comes through. If they're a negative head, you're seeing their character. If they're thankful, you're seeing their character. And without a doubt, this was Paul. In every situation, in every season, character always bleeds through. And it would seem, if you look at this, Paul is winning his jailer once again. This isn't the first time he's done it. Back in Acts 16, he gets beaten up with Silas, remember? They get thrown in the stocks in the inner dungeon. And at midnight, what are they doing? 
They're not going, oh, I've got to disengage from this cruel world. They're actually singing hymns and praising God. So God gives the prison a little bit of a shake and the jailer falls on his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your family. And here it is, Paul, consistent character. I've got no doubt the thankfulness that was in Acts 16 somehow turned up in Acts 27, even if it's not recorded. Why? Because it's who Paul was, character, character. Sue instituted something, it's not new, and, but something we've just refreshed and been doing in this last little while. I think she mentioned it two weeks ago, darling. And, uh, and that was we, before we eat, our, at, at a nightly meal, and thankfully most of the time we're together, and uh, certainly in this season we have been, and, uh, and before we eat, three things that you're thankful for today. We've both got to cough up three things that we're genuinely thankful for. And you know, I treated that as an inconvenience for the first week or so. You know what I mean? It was a bit like, I just want to eat my sausages, thanks. <laughs> but I tell you what, the last few days, it has just been hammering me. What are you thankful for, Chris? And why is it only at the end of the day when someone reminds you to be thankful? It's not a bad practice, families, I tell you, it's not a bad practice. Thankfulness. Integrity. There's obvious integrity in it because he trusted him to go with his friends and that he might come back. A willing prisoner. So there had to have been a conversation where Julius said something like, Paul, if I let you go with your mates, will you be back here at five o'clock? And Paul would have said, you know I will be. You've been observing me. <laughs> you know I will be. And so that's exactly what he did. In the length of the voyage, he'd already won his heart with his integrity. And integrity is who you are in the dark. But I tell you what, it bleeds through in the light of day every time. My last thought on it is probably his faith. Come on. Yeah. His faith. A faith-filled outlook. You know, just for an example, later on, this ship gets in a storm. Remember the story? The ship gets in a storm and actually the soldiers wanted to kill all the prisoners. You know, we'll be in trouble if we lose any prisoners, so better off we just slit their throats before the ship sinks and then we know we don't have to answer to Rome. And guess who rushes in to stop them? Julius. <laughs> no! Why? Because Paul had said to Julius, I tell you right now, if we all stick with the ship, no one will be lost. I've got faith, no one will be lost. Just don't, don't let them steal the boat. Don't kill the prisoners. We all stick with this baby. We're all going to come through alive. And that's exactly what they did. There's no doubt that there was something about the faith in Paul that ignited something in the heart of a Roman centurion trained to kill mercilessly, trained to discipline, the most disciplined, organised army in the world to that day. But there's something in Paul, there's something about his thankfulness, there's something about his integrity, there's something about his faith-filled heart that moves this guy. And Paul receives incredible favour. Man, I wonder... 
what favour we miss looking from a purely selfish level. In the midst of difficult seasons or confronted by difficult people, I wonder the amount of times we actually neglect the gift of the favour of God. We walk straight past it because of our disengagement or our resentment or our fear and God's got provision. Have you noticed that about Scripture? Everywhere, right in the middle of the worst of circumstances, God's provision is always there. He's always there for you. He always has something for us. I wonder how many times we miss it. Because we pull back. And we fear people or we resent people. We let them get under our skin and, and they're not bad people. They're just different. Sometimes difficult, but not bad. And we overlook the opportunity to invite God in. I love the way the book of Acts finishes. Now we know this isn't the end of Paul's story because when they changed Caesars, Paul lost his head. But, but the, literally the last verse of the book of Acts tells a whole story because the favour continued. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 through 31. We have Paul in Rome. So the book of Acts begins in Jerusalem and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit flows throughout the earth. It goes from this little backwater Palestinian annexed nation. Not Palestinian, Palestine in Palestine. From that annexed nation to the capital of the then known world. Most powerful superpower. And this is Paul, this Jewish Pharisee converted to Christ. For two whole years, Paul stayed in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. <laughs> and I just can't help but think, can't help but wonder how different that story, how different the last verse of the book of Acts might have looked like if Paul had just disengaged, said it was too hard, said the people that God had put him in and the circumstances God had put him in was just too tough, then I don't think that story would have ended like that with Paul in the capital of the world living freely teaching and preaching the Kingdom of God. For Paul, that was a dream. And I think because he didn't let fear and resentment push him out. He was determined to control the circumstances and even to an extent the people in his world by his own responses. And he fearlessly stayed on mission, stayed on track. Come on, you have got to love that. His character made a way for him. Some questions for us. You all doing okay? Here's some questions for us in this moment. Engaging difficult circumstances and difficult people. Is there someone I've cut off through fear or resentment that I should re-engage with kindness? It's probably a really good question right now, isn't it, in this season? But are there people in my world that I've, I've just cut off? I, I threw them in the too hard basket. I, 
And, and I know you've got to filter the voices in your world. I understand that. But you can do that kindly. You can stay re-engaged without literally having to believe what someone else believes. You can still re-engage them. Stay engaged. Are there situations I need to reclaim control in? Right now you're feeling out of control. Feeling like, I don't know what to do about this and I can't control this. and whatnot. Well, hang on a sec. You can control your response. Like, don't look at what you can't do. Look at what you can do. Have you ever done that with resources where it's so easy to just see what you don't have, but then if you actually look at your resources, you think, well, I might not have exactly what I thought I wanted, but gee, I've got a few things there. I do it all the time with my poultry tool collection. Oh, I don't have one of them. Oh, but that one might do. I make that work. As soon as you look at what you do have, everything changes. What you do have is the ability to respond. Maybe some of us have chosen poorly already. This is an opportunity to repent in the biblical sense of the word. That doesn't mean feel guilty. That doesn't mean feel sad. That doesn't mean weep over your poor responses so far. What that means is to change it. Just turn it around. That's what repentance means. Turn it around. Come on, turn it around. Oh, I've been responding so poorly. Okay, repent. <laughs> It'll help you. <laughs> turn it around. Respond better. Choose. Before you leave this place, I'm going to respond better to that. I'm going to speak better to that person. I'm going to re-engage. I'm going to, I've become resentful. I'm going to ditch that. I'm going to re-engage with hope and faith. Last question is, what is the current season revealing in my character? And is there anything I need to change about it to be more Pauline, to be more like Paul or to be more like Christ who's only imitating? Paul's only imitating Christ. So come on. Is there anything about my character, that the pressure, that the difficulty, that the unusualness, that the disconnection, that the disorientation of this season, is there anything that has happened that's actually revealed something to me about my character? And am I happy with that? Maybe it's just become so easy to blame everyone else and everything else for your own pain. This could be an opportunity to say, you know what? Maybe I need to dig into my own character. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to, to get my own house in order. It's just a thought. But I tell you what, when you read your Bible, they're the kind of thoughts that hit you. Spend some time journaling. That's how God begins to speak to you. And I really, really pray, you know, online here with us, everyone in the room, really, really pray that God has spoken to some of our hearts this morning. Would you stand with me today? Why don't we pray together? Why don't we just join our hearts right now, this atmosphere of faith, You know, prayer is whenever we become more aware of God than anything else, particularly our issues. Let's just let everything else drop away for a moment. 
Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts. Thank you for what you've already been doing in this place. We thank you. We thank you for bodies healed. Thank you for relationships restored. We thank you for everything you've been doing. And now we present our heart to you. We do not want to leave this place without taking one more step closer to you. Whatever that means for any one of us. The way that we're responding right now, the temptation to disengage, our character and what's going on in our inner world right now, we give it to you. We pray you'd speak to us, that your grace would be upon us to accept what we need to accept and to change what we can change. Just while we're in this atmosphere of faith, friend, you might be here today, maybe you have never connected your heart to the life of God, but maybe you've been in this place today and you've experienced it. You've sensed there's something more here than just a room full of people. I wanna suggest to you, that's God's Holy Spirit moving amongst His people. And maybe you've never experienced that, but if you want to, you can. Right where you are, online, in the room, just open your heart. Just open your heart wide to God and say, God, I'm not fearing you anymore. I'm surrendering to you. I'm not rejecting Jesus Christ. I'm accepting Him and welcoming Him into my life. You can just do that right where you stand, right where you are there in your lounge room. That opportunity is available to you. I encourage you to take it.